0: Uh, Aren't you glad that you're no longer a slave to fear, but that you're a child of God? Um, I I love that song, Crystal. Thank you for teaching that to us. And Andy, that was just beautiful. Um, Transfiguring adoption. I've been fascinated watching Darren and Margie's blog uh, for... For foster and adoptive parents for a while, and what really sort of strikes me is the title of it, "Transfiguring Adoption." It kind of makes you stra- scratch your head and say, "What are they getting at? What are they trying to? What are they trying to portray there?" Because transfigure is not a word that we use often. I've heard about it in two places: one in Harry Potter and one in the Bible. Uh, in the Bible, uh, transfiguration—the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus, um, is, is with his disciples and suddenly, as he's up there with Moses and Elijah, his, his coat becomes dazzling white and, um, and, and the disciples suddenly realize who he is. And when you look up transfigure, it means to make more beautiful or to elevate something. But biblically, it has another connotation. Not only does it make more beautiful and not only does it elevate, but it makes you more who you really are, or it makes it reveals who you really are. Because when Jesus was transfigured, that's when the disciples realized who he really was. And so this morning when we're talking about adoption, we're talking about something spiritual that happens. It's really a miracle that happens when you become part of the family of God. There is the scripture that we read said there is the spirit of adoption. That makes us cry, Abba, Father. And so, what is this spirit of adoption? And Darren and Margie say it's transfiguring. It's, it, it makes us greater than, it makes us more beautiful, it makes us who we were always intended to be. And, 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 and if you're new to Life Church, you hear that language a lot because our, our, our vision is to move people. Toward their highest potential as Christ followers. And so, and so when you're transfigured, it moves you towards your highest potential as Christ followers. So we're going to talk this morning about this difference between being slaves and being sons. Because before we found the Lord, whether you knew it or not, you were a slave. You were a slave to your passions and desires. You were a slave to the enemy. You are you, you were not free. To be everything that God created you to be. Because when God made you, and I want you to hear this this morning, He made something very beautiful because God doesn't make junk. And and, and when He made you, He created you to be something beautiful and to be something special. So we're going to talk this morning a little bit about the difference between being slaves and and being sons. And the first one is that the slave has a master. But the son has a father. The slave has a master, and one of the most, uh, 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 difficult periods in American history was the period of slavery. And during that period uh, we treated uh, one race of Americans as inferior uh, to another race. And they were under the whip and under the rule of masters. And uh, it's an analogy of what life was like before we found the Lord. We We were under, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to fear. In some ways we were slaves to our own selves but 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 he wanted us not to be have a master but he wanted us to have a father uh romans 8 15 and 16 says the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live and here's the word again crystal so that you live in fear again no longer slaves to fear rather the spirit you received brought about your ad- adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father, the Spirit himself, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's something that happens. Our spirits witness it. We get the same heartbeat as our Father. There's, some, there, there, there's a DNA now that's flowing in our veins that's, that's the same as our Father. And there's something spiritually that happens, the Scripture says. The spirit of adoption takes over. And, 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 uh, and, and our spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. My last name is Nordstrom, and if you're familiar with the Nordstrom's department stores, there's a lot of people, when they meet me, they want to know, they want to know, are you a son of the Nordstrom's? And I'm like, no, do you think I would be in Sevierville selling timeshares if I was the son of the Nordstrom, uh, you know... um, family of department stores my father's name is John Nordstrom's well the CEO of that company's name is also John Nordstrom and so one time my dad was in a Nordstrom's department store and there was a lady waiting on him and he said to the lady he said ma'am do you know who I am and she said no she he said I'm John Nordstrom he pulled out his wallet. He showed her his driver's license and said, John Norse she said, Oh, I see your picture in the break room every day and I didn't even recognize you. And, and 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 as glamorous as we might think that be to, the, to be a son of, of of the Nordstrom department store, I'm I'm uh, I'm more proud to be a son of my father, uh, John Nordstrom. But but I wanted to say that there might be some people here this morning because there's a lot of people in our society today that either don't know their father, or or, or maybe there's reasons that you're not proud of your father, or there's there's issues related to your father. And and I wanted to tell you the story about one of my favorite preachers, a guy by the name of Fred Craddock. Fred Craddock died this past year, but he was uh, uh, considered one of America's greatest preachers. And uh, and interestingly enough, he went to Johnson Bible College right here outside of Knoxville. Uh, But anyway, um, Fred Craddock was um, uh, teaching at a seminary out in Oklahoma, but he was on vacation in Gatlinburg he and his wife were enjoying a dinner and you know how it is when you're somewhat famous as Fred Craddock is it's nice to be away from people it's nice not to have to talk to everybody and all of that so he's enjoying dinner with his wife and there was an old gentleman that came up and just wouldn't shut up he just kept saying hey how are you enjoying your vacation how are you enjoying your holiday fine 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 and the old guy wouldn't wouldn't shut up and finally the old guy said what do you do for a living and Fred Craddock said this will get rid of him and he said i'm a preacher and he thought that would get rid of the guy. But the guy said and said, wait a minute, let me pull up a chair. I've got to tell you a story. So the old gentleman pulled up a chair and he said, he said, when I was a boy, I grew up right over the hill here, right over the mountain. And I don't say this word to cuss because this is in the literal sense. He said, they called me bastard boy. He said, they called me bastard boy because I didn't have a father. And I grew up with really bad self Really bad self-image, and and uh, didn't like myself very much. And I went to school, and everyone just called me bastard boy. Tried to stay away from people. And he said, uh, he said, uh, I, um, I, I I I never went to church, of course, because I didn't want to be called names there too and but I heard about a new preacher that came to town and and I wanted to hear this new preacher and so he said I showed up late to church one day and I heard the preacher and I really liked him but I got out of church before the service ended so no one would see me he said and I started doing that I liked hearing this preacher and so I'd come late and I'd leave early and he said but one day I came and I got so caught up in what he was preaching that I forgot to leave early and he said, in the end of the service, the aisle was filling with people and I was, I was making my way out as quick as I could when I felt a hand on my shoulder and I looked up and the preacher was tall and he was looking at me and he said, son, whose boy are you? And with shame he ducked his head. But, bef- but the preacher intuitively saw something and he said, wait a minute wait a minute, I know whose boy you are. I know whose boy you are. In fact, you bear a great resemblance. You're God's child. And the old man looked at Fred Craddock and said, that day changed my life, and he walked away. The waitress walked up to Fred Craddock's table and said, do you know who that was that was talking to you? And Fred said, no. He said, that was Ben Hooper, the two-term governor of the state of Tennessee. Two-term governor of the state of Tennessee whose life was changed by a preacher that told him that he was God's child. Hey, listen to this tall preacher this morning. Listen to this preacher who wants to tell you, maybe you feel like you don't fit in. Maybe you feel like you've been left out all of your life. I came to tell you this morning that you're God's child, and he has a plan for your life, and he has a purpose for your life. Amen. 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 A slave has a master, but a son has a father. The slave is an employee. The son is an heir. Romans 8 17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, um then, then we are heirs of God. What does it mean to be an heir of God? We don't quite we don't quite get that in modern law, because how do you become an heir in our society? How do you how do you how do you become an heir? What what does it take to become an heir? Somebody help me out. What's got to happen in order to become the heir? Okay, somebody's actually got to die. When somebody dies, that's when you become the heir. That's in modern society. But who said you got to be born? Who was that? Who said that? You're actually actually right in biblical times. Because in biblical times, it was different than in our times. In biblical times, under Roman law, all of the family property was held... Uh, By the entire family, whether you were natural born, no matter what age you were, whether you were natural born or whether you were adopted, you became an heir at the time. So when you were adopted, you became an heir. You know what that means to us children of God? What that means to us, children of God, is that yes, we have Jesus in our heart, and sometimes we 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 talk about uh, you know life is miserable here, but thank God someday we're going to go to heaven. In other words, we got to die before we become an heir. But this scripture teaches us today that you don't have to wait till you die to become an heir. But when you became a child of God, you already became an heir, and you're already part of the family business, and you already have your inheritance, and you already get to. Re- receive the blessings that God has for your life right now oh that's good preaching anyway amen you become an heir you become an heir right now you don't have to wait for death, you know, and sometimes I think that's how we think of church, you know, oh, we're just going to be miserable till Jesus comes. We're the few, the chosen, the suffering people of God. And life is so miserable down here, but someday things when oh when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. You know what? When you got adopted, when he called you your son, what a day of rejoicing. That should be, amen. What a day of rejoicing when you became an heir of Jesus Christ, when he adopted you you in and you received the spirit of adoption you already got it Mm -mm, you already got it don't have to don't have to wait for it don't have to don't, don't don't have to just be future putting it off delayed gratification but you get it you get it right now amen amen I'm going to read you a scripture that's going to set up the next point, Philippians 2, 12, and 13, because there's some people that say, you know, Pastor, you're preaching too much about grace. You know, people are going to start thinking they can just get away with stuff. You keep preaching grace, you know. People are just going to live any way you want to. But that's not the message of grace, and we learned that last week. Listen to, listen to this balance presented to us in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Listen to these words. Work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard, work hard. That sounds like being a slave, but listen to this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now listen to this. For God is working in you. Now listen to this. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So that when the grace of God comes, it makes what we ought to do become what we want to do. Oh, yes. There's a difference between working hard if you're miserable in your job. Some of you know what that's like, going to a job that you don't like, but you work hard and you're just kind of enduring it every day. And that's, that's the way an employee acts. But when you are, but when you are working for the Lord, amen, you're driven by desire. So, man, I work hard, but I don't even know I'm working because I've got the desire to do it not only do I have the desire to do it but I've got the power to do it now listen to this the slave is driven by duty oh I gotta do it I gotta do it pastor wants us to be here early so we can unlock the doors and so we can get ready for people and we can work the sound booth and we can do all those things because i'm working for jesus because if i'm good enough someday he's going to love me enough to send me to heaven now that's what duty is all about but you know what that's what i don't i don't see that in our in our volunteers at this church you know why because they don't come here because they have to they come here because they want to they're not doing it out of duty they're Doing it out of devotion to God, they're part of the family business. They want to say, "I'm glad to usher this morning because I get to be a part of somebody coming to Jesus this morning. I might be the first person that they see out in the parking lot that that is going to make a first good impression on them. And when they come to Jesus uh, at the end of uh, Phil's message this morning, you know what? Part of it, I'm going to be a link in that chain. And the sound guy is going to say, "You know what? That music was great this morning, but they wouldn't have heard a thing. But I'm part of the family business, and my link in the chain is, is, is so important. Hey, I'm working with the children this morning. We're not just babysitting kids back there, but we're teaching kids about Jesus. We're bringing them closer to Jesus. And it's my joy and it's my privilege to be a part because I'm doing it out of devotion, not out of duty. That's the spirit of adoption. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love that uh that that the story of the prodigal son. Uh th- th- that's what the story of the prodigal son is all about. This father wants his kids to realize. He wants his kids to realize, man, you're my kids. And one kid doesn't realize it and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. see, he's an heir already. He already is an heir, so he can get his inheritance anytime he wants to. He doesn't have to wait for dad to die. And he gets his inheritance and he leaves and he squanders it all. On riotous living, the Bible says he ends up in a pig's pen, which is the worst thing for a, the worst thing for for somebody who's uh, who's Jewish. You know, you know the work in a pig pen, he's working in a pig pen, and when he's in the pig pen, he remembers he has a father. You know, sometimes sometimes we don't know how good we have it till, till we till we leave it. You know what I'm saying? He he remembers that he has a father and he and he starts planning this slave speech. He says, I'm gonna go back to my father and I'm saying, Father, I don't need to be Oh, living room, father, just let me bees in with the slaves, and I'm not making fun when I say it. I'm saying he's talking like a slave. He said, "I just, father, just let me, just let me. I, I don't need any sandals on my feet. Just let me stay in back, and just you just bring me a little dinner out back, and I'll work in the field, and I'll just be your slave." And he comes to the father, and he starts that kind of slavery speech, and his father says, "Shut up, son." I don't want to hear it. He says, Qu-, and I love what he says. He says, quick quick. He says, quick. He doesn't He doesn't want you to waddle in your self-pity. He says, quick. Get him a robe. Quick. Put a ring on his finger. Why a ring on his finger? Because the ring is the signet ring of the family. Hey, my sons wear rings. They got the family name on it. I want him to have his ring. Quick. Get sandals on his feet. He's not a servant. Sons wear shoes. The servants uh, will go barefoot, but he's my son. Quick. Get him a robe on his back. He's my son. He wants him to be treated like a son, and you know the story. He they kill the fatted calf and he's welcomed back home and he's welcomed into sonship and he's got the spirit of adoption on him. He's got the spirit of sonship on him. He's out there partying like it's nineteen ninety nine. They're out there dancing, they're having a great time, and, uh, and and the brother says that the Bible says that the older brother, the older brother, he is ticked off and uh, he, the fa- and he's not participating in the party and the, and the father, I love this, this part of the story too the father cares, listen to this this morning the father cares about all of his sons he doesn't want one of you to miss the party and he goes out back and he looks for this he looks for this older brother says come on in son and this, and this older brother says look all these years, this is in Luke 15, 29-30. Now listen, listen to these words. All these years I've been slaving for you. I've been slaving for you. Never once did you even kill a young goat for me. I've been slaving for you, Dad. Never did, and, and I never disobeyed. I was a goody two-shoe. I was a good boy. I showed up early. I came with grim determination. I showed up to church early mad every morning. <laughs> I did my part with grim determination and you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home you kill the fatted calf for him I didn't put this in the passage but the but the father says to him something so powerful he says son you, I never killed a fatted calf for you I never killed a goat for you, you know why? because every goat in the field is yours. Every cow in the field is yours. He said, all that I have is yours. Anytime you want to, you know what I do when I'm at home? Can I just tell on myself, sometimes if no one's looking, I'll open that refrigerator and I'll take the lid off of that milk and I'll drink it straight from the jug. How many know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. When you're a son you can do that as long as your wife's not watching. You know, you can you can you can do that. What what God is saying is man the refrigerator's open to you. You don't have to ask permission. You you're a son. You get to live can I just tell you what would happen church? What would happen life church if we got this spirit of adoption? If we realized who we are, if we understood that we the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that we didn't have to wait until we died in order to get it, but we could have it now wouldn't that change everything that would change everything that's what the apostle paul is saying come on galatians come on galatians don't get all bogged down don't get bogged down with people trying to trying to put a bunch of stuff on you that 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 was never intended to be on you god has set you free stay free remain free amen we're going to continue in galatians chapter four verses eight and nine formerly you did not know god you were slaves to those who by nature are not god's But now that you know God, or rather are known by God. Listen to that relational language. Now that you know God. It didn't say now that you serve God. It said now that you know God. Or rather are known by God. It's almost like Paul's like, I don't know whether to say we know God or God knows us. It's all, it's all in or rather known by God. We know God, but we're known by God. That's relational. That's family talk. How is it that you are turning back to these weak and miserable principles of duty, of slave and master? Do you wish to be enslaved? Haven't you been through that once already? Wasn't it enough the first time? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Can I just ask you, church, do you ever want to go back? Have you forgotten what life was like before Jesus? I mean, I work with a bunch of people right now. Some of them are backslidden. Some of them have never known the Lord. But 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 I watch them in there, and you know they they've got to hit the bar at a certain time every night, and they've got to uh, come back to work looking miserable the next morning. And it's almost like they're punching a clock. I mean, uh, in, in the name of having fun, they're working hard at it. You know what the Bible says? The way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard. Life was hard. Sometimes sometimes we forget when we come to the Lord and we fantasize about how good things are. You forgot what life was like before God. Can I just tell you, the world has nothing for you. Four of you agree with that. Let me say that. The world has nothing for you. Amen. There's nothing that this world has, amen, That's that, that's for you. He wants you to have the spirit of adoption and experience the joy and not the slavery that you were once bound under. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? First thing we've got to do is we've got to see God as Father. And, and, and if, I could just be, if I could just be biblical about it, not just Father, but Daddy. I hope you don't think that's irrelevant. Some people, when they come to church, they suddenly put on King James English, you know, and, oh, thou God of. And, and that, was all, that was all fine if you grew up in 16th century England. But, but the scripture said the spirit of adoption makes us say, Abba, ah, daddy, oh, I, I love you. I love you, God. It's a love, it's it's relational talk. It's not duty talk, it's relational talk. He's your daddy. Matthew 7, 9-11 says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, uh, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, Do you know that your daddy loves you? Do you know that God loves you and wants to pour you out and he's just wanting for you to ask of him and he's wanting to, to give you good gifts? That's, that's the kind of God we have. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord our God is in our midst, a mighty one who will save. He rejoices over us with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That God sings loud over you. Think about that. Picture God singing over you. I took this passage one time and wrote a song from it called I Delight in You. I delight in you, I delight in you. I will quiet you with my love. I rejoice in you, I sing over you. Hear this blessing from above. I delight in you, I delight in you. I see you when you're lonely. I hear you when you cry. You're the crown of my creation, the apple of my eye. I delight in you, I delight in you. I will quiet you with my love. Can you picture God singing over you? That's what the scripture says. He sings over you. know that when Natalie was born, there's something about having, having a child makes you want to sing, whether you can sing or not. I wrote a song to Natalie that I would sing to her when she went to bed. I call, We just called it Natalie's Song. Go to sleep, my baby, my baby, good night. Go to sleep, my baby, it will be all right. Sleep as the hours go by, I'll take care of you. Dream, dream till the morning light brings the morning dew. God watches over you, he's your dearest friend. So go to sleep, my baby. My baby, baby, bye. I would sing that to Natalie as I would put her to bed. And then when Christiana came along, I would sing, uh, you are so beautiful to me. And then Noah came along and I just said, get to bed, Noah. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) oh, man, he takes so much abuse. Uh there's something about the spirit of adoption could you picture God singing over you you know there's a scripture that says he dandles you on his knee think about that some people have this this picture of God that he's just like furious at you just waiting for you to just waiting for you to mess up the second thing what should we do approach God through relationship not rules John 5.39 says, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. If I do enough good things, then I'll possess eternal life. If I read enough passages of Scripture, I'll possess eternal life. If I show up early and volunteer at church, I'll possess eternal life. If I do more good things than I do bad things, I'll possess eternal life. And 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 what Jesus said, you know what? You study the scriptures because you think by them you're going to possess eternal life, but the scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. All these scriptures were pointing to me. I want a relationship with you. I want to be in relationship with you. When you have a relationship with me, you don't have to beat it into somebody because he gives you the desire to do what's right. He gives you the, the power to do what's right because he's in a relationship with you. That was nice. I like that. And then... And then three, give God your whole heart. Give God your whole. So what do I do? Just give, just give Him your heart. You will seek me and find me, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen fourteen. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I just want to end by saying, relationship changes everything. I'm going to ask the Fink kids if they'd come on up. Y'all here. I see three, there comes four through the door. Come on, Dalton. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> come on up here, buddy. Why don't you stand up here on the platform next to me? You wanna come up? You can I meant Dalton since he's shorter, but you can too if you want. <laughs> now we need a chair for you, buddy. Just kidding. Darren and Margie, um, uh, I've known them for a long, long time now, and uh, when they came to our church in Illinois, uh, they were not married yet. They were they were just recently graduated from college. They were doing a ministry intern at Southern Illinois University, and they were poor as church mice. Is that fair to say? And, uh, you know, I just did my daughter's wedding, and weddings are expensive. We did our daughter's wedding pretty cheap. Um, as far as weddings go, and we tried to tell our daughter that you know simple weddings were much more beautiful. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, but they didn't have any, they didn't have any money. They didn't have any money really to get married, and so you know no no money for a reception hall and to you know order in food or anything. Um, they were just going to be lucky to feed themselves, and so we had a potluck. We had a potluck for their reception. And had I just one of one of the favorite weddings I've ever done was the wedding for for Darren and Margie. It was a beautiful wedding in a gymnasium. Our church was meeting in a gym at the time, and we gussied up that gym and uh, and made it look great. and And they got married. And um, after a few years of being married, um, like a lot of couples, they thought it's time to have kids. And um, after trying to have kids for a little while. Um, um, that wasn't working, so they uh, decided to get into foster parenting. And uh, tell me if I'm getting the order of things right here. Was it Jasmine and Dalton first? Yeah, Jasmine and Dalton were the first uh, little munchkins that came into their heart. And they were just supposed to be foster parents, taking care of them for a while until some some more permanent thing could happen. But something happened when uh, when these two little ragamuffins over here Uh, came into the home. Uh, Darren and Margie were like, uh, how do you say goodbye to these two? Um, And they fell in love with them. They just fell in love with these two. And I remember how excited we were with Darren and Margie when when it went beyond fostering and to pursuing adoption and what that was going to look like and um, there's a cool story about there's a cool story about going to the courthouse to be adopted and and the judge uh, was was trying to sort of make friends with the kids and ask them some questions in the microphone. And I were these two already living in the house as foster? Oh, they were adopted first. Okay. They came first, but they were adopted first. So these two well then I'm going to leave your story for later. I'm going to come <laughs> over, I'm going to come over here. And I want to say something really cool that happens when when uh, Cody uh, Cody a, a anybody that knows Cody knows that he's a lover. He's an affectionate kid. He wasn't always. He was not very affectionate when he was in the home because life hadn't necessarily been too kind to him. He'd been taken from house to house and all that kind of stuff. And Darren and Margie were trying to explain to them that they were going to adopt them. And Margie Margie was trying to make it real to him and so she found the courthouse where, they were gonna, where it was going to happen and, and she, she told Cody that when you get to that courthouse now don't laugh at their names guys but he said the judge is going to say you're a fink. <laughs> and something happened to Cody when he heard that. He went from unaffectionate To affection He went from insecure about love to secure about love. He got real excited about the fact that he was going to be a thing. Now this guy, Matthew, he wanted it all along. He he just was excited about it to be adopted, weren't you? Mm -hmm. You wanted it. So they were adopted and they were the first two adopted kids and and then these two came along, and the judge was back to the judge store. The judge is talking to, talking to these guys and says to Jasmine, Now Jasmine, you know, you're going to be in a house with three boys. Do you think you're going to be able to stand that? Jasmine was nervous, and she took the mic, and she said, No. <laughs> and Dalton, Dalton thought that Jasmine had just ruined the adoption. And Dalton put his hands on his head and said, crud. (laughs) Like, thanks a lot, Jasmine, you just ruined it. Why did he say crud? Because he wanted to be adopted. He wanted that sense of permanence. He wanted that mom and dad that were always going to be there for him. When Jasmine walked out of the courthouse, she said an amazing thing. She said, now I'm a real girl. And um, their kids are like your kids. Um, They brought baggage into the family when they came in and they're still working through all kinds of issues, but they're working through those issues in the context of a loving father and mother who are consistently, and Darren and Margie, I just thank you for this. For what you're doing for these four and what you're doing for so many more. Lifting a vision of transfiguring adoption. But hey kids, we want you to feel more beautiful, be more elevated, and really to become who you always were supposed to be. And what I want to say to you guys is, not only are we glad that you're in the Fink family, but we're glad that you're in our family here at Life Church. Could you just say that to them right now? Mm-hmm. And the, you, you matter to your parents, but you matter to us a whole lot. And you got everything that we got. It's all yours. You're part of the family. You're part of the family business. Um, you're heirs. And uh, so the spirit of adoption is at work in their lives. And the spirit of adoption... um, And by the way, I think it would be good if we just thank Darren and Margie for what they're doing. (laughs) Love you guys. Because every day, every day for an adopted parent, they're not used to getting cheered, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. But they're consistently... Loving these kids. And I love you, Darren and Margie, for that. I re- totally respect it. And, and uh, these kids are going to eternally benefit uh, from what you've done. You guys can be seated. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. When you see that judge, it's going to change your life. In, in a few moments, we're going to do a baptism And David and Ashley are going to be baptized this morning. And I am so excited. I am so excited about that. Because I've been watching what God's been doing in David and Ashley's life. And what I want to say to you, uh, David and Ashley, is... I don't know if you saw it when you went out there, but that baptismal um, box that's out there. When you get to that box and your life has already been changed, but something's going to happen there too because we're going to call the family name over you. We're going to baptize you, and when we baptize, we're going to call on the name of the Lord, and you're going to become part of the Jesus family. You already are part of the Jesus family, but that's the official ceremony. That's the adoption ceremony, and we're going to... We're going to do that in a moment. And then anybody here who's not been baptized and doesn't mind going home wet today will do that too. And I mean that. I mean that. You don't have to go through six classes to decide that you're going to be baptized. In, this, in the New Testament, you, you, you received Jesus and you were baptized. You can be baptized this morning. And we're going to do it outside in a moment. But before we do... I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and I'm going to ask you to come back up here, uh, Crystal. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. And, and the last point we ended was to just give him your whole heart. Just. And, and I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so sold on the family, I want to say, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you trade slavery for a God who sings over you? Why wouldn't you trade your old life for a new life?